Totally Football Show. Jose's a goner, his replacement's a gunner. They've got almost as many points to make up as Daniel's story on a Monday morning. Are they gonna? So many questions in today's show. Will Neil Warnock spoil the Solskjaer party? League Cup, are Burton the most dangerous brewer since Tim Martin of Weatherspoons? And when Arsenal and Burnley kicks off on Saturday in the Premier League, how painful will the abbreviated school caption be? It's all in the Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Hello, listener. Uh, here for your delectation today, we've got uh, fresh out of final score and the offside rule podcast via Wolverhampton, Lindsay Hooper. Yes, that is true. Another final score favourite. It's Emma Saunders. How are you, Emma? I'm very well. How are you? I'm well. And Jack, how are you? Jack Lang. Very well. Thank you. From Falmouth. Straight out of. Bingo. All right. How are you, listener? Great. Uh, all right, then. Uh, item one. Of course, it's mosey on Jose, say Man United. Uh, you probably heard, or maybe you didn't, our Moo News View special on Tuesday uh, with Rory Smith, uh, Ian Irving, Tom Williams, Carl Anker and Ian McIntosh. If you didn't, here's the gist of it. Now, some breaking news uh, just reaching us. Uh, some sources close to manager uh, Jose Mourinho report that... After almost an entire season filled with speculation, Manchester United has finally pulled the pin on the career of Jose Mourinho. No future without Manchester United, so why, why should I now be sharing with you or even with the, with the supporters uh, any of my feelings? People talk about Zidane. Would he want to come from sunny Spain to this nonsense? Look, Manchester folks, look at him. Grey sky, raining. Would he want to come here? What do you think, Paul, about that suggestion? We've got two managers now who are not managing at this moment of time, and that's Mark Hughes and Steve Bruce. They've been at biggest clubs, they've been successful. They know what it takes. Into Sheringham, and Solskjaer has won it! Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is now confirmed as Manchester United caretaker manager for the rest of the season. Solskjaer says to, Manchester United is in my heart. Like it happened yesterday, and uh, as... <laughs> I'd like to say it's game over. And I just hope that uh, you media respect this way of, of myself. And um, I get back to football. I think I have the right to live my, my normal life. Fair enough. So let's not say another word uh, about that man uh, for the moment. Instead, Jack, Emma, Lindsay, let's talk about the man coming in. The... The man who spent eight months at Cardiff City, getting them relegated and winning only nine games out of 30, and his assistant, who failed to win 75% of his games in six months at Hull City, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and, and Mike Phelan, the dream team, basically. They have 21 games and 11 points to make up on the top four. What are your thoughts, Lindsay? Um, I think that it doesn't really matter would be my assessment of it all. I don't think that this is an appointment whereby in any scenario Ali Gunnar Solskjaer is going to keep hold of that job okay. unless maybe they win the Champions League finish in the top four and there's harmony in the dressing room so I think it is a case of who was around it's a little bit like the January transfer window you can't have what you really want in January you can't have that mid-season so we'll do something that ties us over until the end of the campaign now Ryan Giggs was a possible because Wales hadn't got too many international fixtures between now and the end of the season so he perhaps could have been someone to come in and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and I couldn't really think of many others that could just come in for that period, the association with the club, that the fans are going to accept. But I, I also think the fans won't get on his back. As long as they don't get relegated, job done. Do you think? Yeah. That's the job, don't yeah. get relegated. Just don't get relegated. They're not going to get relegated. Um, maybe get a little bit of a tune out of Pogba at some point. That'll probably get a thumbs up somewhere along the line. I but kind of assumed that this was because they still harboured intentions of getting into the top four. It's interesting, isn't it? Because this, I think it's this morning they've um, essentially said there's almost a clause there that if he does have success, they would like him to stay on. It's almost mm. like having a player on loan with a view to make it permanent if things go well. But I'm not really sure what the terms and conditions are for things going well. Is it a top four finish or is it just avoiding complete disaster? Is it just trying to get the big names like Pogba, as you said, Lindsay, 
um, just getting them on side. I don't know. I, Manchester United have been quite clever in this sense because in some ways there's almost no pressure on him, really. A lot of people have been very quick to jump on this and, and say he's under so much pressure. It's one of the biggest jobs in the world, one of the biggest clubs in the world. Is it really? I, I'm not sure whether there's actually too much pressure there, as long as it's not a complete disaster, as long as they don't find themselves in the lower echelons of the table. Jack, is he under pressure? I would say no, he's not. I think for him, it's almost a free hit if he does well. There's a small chance of him getting a job. There's, you know, he'll have improved his standing within the wider European game. He's still got Moldy to go back to. Still got Moldy to go back to. I think he's obviously people have looked at his spell at Cardiff, which didn't go well. I think he's admitted that. He was slightly out of his depth in that job. He'd been used to playing, obviously, for a team with really plentiful resources, well-managed, dropped into the deep end there and, you know, didn't really do a great job, it's fair to say. Slightly different scenario here. I think it's a strange one from Manchester United's point of view because, to some extent, assuming they are working now behind the scenes to get, uh, you know, a Mauricio Pochettino, someone of that nature... What if Solskjaer does do really? You know, what if he does lead them to third and takes them to the Champions League final? It's kind of problem you'd like to have. Well, it's a nice problem, sure, but it's I can't recall a caretaker manager being appointed for such a long spell at a top club. Uh, Roberto Di Matteo obviously did it, but he didn't keep his job. Mm. So I think it will be a similar situation. I mean, what they've done here is they've looked at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, they've looked at his playing career, the fact that he's a late call, comes off the bench, scores the winner. It's exactly the same here. Late call, come on in. Do the job for a while, except, then thank you very much. Except he's a, a manager now. Except he's a manager, that's what I'm saying. They've yeah. looked at his playing career yeah. and transferred it into He, he did it brilliantly when he was doing that yeah. set of kind of skills, <laughs> now in a completely different professional I actually think as well that it is masking a bigger issue, which is that things are being changed at board level at the top at Manchester United. Uh, this director of football role that didn't happen when Jose was in charge, I'm sure that is something they're going to be focusing on whilst Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is there, something they can get in place for when the new person comes in. Um, I know that there is this clause that Emma mentioned. I, I just can't see it being sparked. Mm. Um, there were lots of question marks over the timing of this as well. The whole narrative, the fact you've got him going in against the last club that he was um, with in the Premier League, Cardiff City. Uh, it's his first game in return. And oh, guess who Manchester United have got at home on the last day of the season? Cardiff City. Oh, right. Boom, boom, oh, that's um, nice. But the timing thing, they've got Cardiff followed by Huddersfield, followed by Bournemouth, followed by Newcastle United, followed by Reading. Cardiff are actually in a fairly formidable home. They had three wins uh, at home in the last four. United have got a terrible record against promoted sides. Jack, you're nodding vigorously. Well, I think this could be quite an exciting harem scarum game because Manchester United's defence is very shaky. I don't think Solskjaer will have any time to, to look at that, really. You've got someone like Callum Patterson, who's I don't really understand, but he's <laughs> just, just a great concept. And Solskjaer has... I think, shown his commitment to attacking football. He's said that you know winning 4-2 is better than winning 1-0. That would be a nice change. And if his... It's hardly know, a radical philosophy, that. No, but you, you look at where United have been for the last uh, you know two, three, four years. Van Gaal was different to Mourinho, but still there was a safety-first approach, I think. And Solskjaer, you know, it remains to be seen how loyal he is when push comes to shove in his actions, but certainly in his words, he's talked a very good game insofar as sticking to Manchester United's traditional principles are so maybe wingers uh, throwing a, a little bit you know throwing caution to the wind a, a touch right Alex O'Farrell uh, writing and saying much like Chelsea's first game post Jose in 2015 can we expect United to be all flicks tricks and step overs against Cardiff what happened back then uh, so Mourinho was sacked by Chelsea on the 17th of December 2015 they then beat Sunderland 3-1 and they really shook off the dust, scoring twice in the first 15 minutes. But it's worth saying that the mood was slightly different because you had all these Chelsea fans with banners uh, almost supporting Mourinho. There were, there was the banner of the three rats, Cesc, mm. Hazard and Diego Costa. So 
it's fair to say at that point, Mourinho still had a pretty strong reputation among Chelsea's fans, many of whom were annoyed at him being axe. I don't think we're going to see anything of the sort this weekend. And you look at the fixtures that they've got and you look at Cardiff, you look at Newcastle United, there are two teams in the league that you would say have dressing room harmony. That's how you're getting a tune out of them. That's how they're uh, being able to return some points because if you look at squad depth, they're two of the worst teams in terms of of personnel so you've got two managers there that are getting something from this team and the irony being that Manchester United have this wealth of players wealth of talent but can't get them to all play together that great so that this is the the test I mean it's interesting if they'd have been going up against a Spurs a Chelsea you know we'd be saying that these are big big ties I actually think the way they perform in these matches is going to show a lot about what is wrong at Manchester United the game late kickoff on Saturday uh, featuring a side that has conceded more goals than Huddersfield and had fewer shots than Southampton, and that team is is Man United. Uh, 11 points then between them and the top four, Emma, if that's their target, can Solskjaer do it? What do you think? Well, as we've mentioned, they've got this very favourable run of games to close that gap. So if he can capitalise and keep up the pace with the others, you've got some big crunch games over that Christmas period as well where other teams inside that top six could drop points against each other over Christmas and New Year. Um, So I I think it's difficult to say now, but it's a very, very, very favourable run of games. It'll be much easier to say later. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) All right, well, uh, Man United's rivals for the Champions League positions this weekend. Chelsea are hosting Leicester. Arsenal host Burnley. Spurs are at Everton. Spurs and Arsenal having just faced each other in a controversial Wednesday night League Cup quarter-final. Let's have a chat about that after this. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. League Cup drama Tuesday and Wednesday. Quarter-finals Tuesday. Middlesbrough got beaten by Burton Albion. Nigel Clough's Brewers, who've now put out three championship sides, Villa, Forest and Borough, and Premier League outfit Burnley on their way to their first ever League Cup semi-final. Boom. An absolutely world-class miss late on by Middlesbrough's Aidan Flint. If you haven't seen it, worth checking out one of those ones. Where it's not just harder to miss, it's significantly harder. Like Any kind of contact and the ball goes in, but he heads it wide from a bizarre angle. Superb. Uh, Emma's just having a look at it now. Cross comes in. Oh, my goodness. And Flynn must what? score. How does he manage that? He knows as well. He does he? know. That reaction says it all, doesn't it? It's, it's a diving hit. How... Literally on the goal line. Yeah. I don't understand why he's tried to go for accuracy there. Yeah, you just, you just need, need to touch to, the ball. You just need to touch the ball. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Burton goes through. Who are they going to face? Man City. Who welcome back Kevin De Bruyne with an astonishingly well-taken strike. Uh, but then needed penalties to beat Leicester exactly like when the two teams faced each other in the League Cup quarterfinals last year. Curiously enough. I feel like Burton should get a head start. Mm. So Gregory Paul says... Two goals, maybe. Is this this tweet? Yeah, he says uh, Burton in the League Cup, Rotherham in the FA Cup, Schalke, the worst remaining team, according to Gregory, in the Champions League. If you're good, you shouldn't be allowed to be lucky as well. It's a remarkable set of draws that that City have had. Yeah, there's another tweet that came in saying, oh, "Oh, Craig Bellamy predicted uh, they'd get Man City. I mean, the odds aren't that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not that remarkable, right. really. I guess. And also, you know, Craig Bellamy. Yeah, yeah. So, um, no, you feel that Burton should have a head start. I do feel Burton should have a head start. Right. I think it's a little bit like when I used to do the sack race at school, and some of us would be given a different line to the rest of the the older boys in the class. Um, I think it should happen that way. They've earned this now from getting this far. I think they should have like a two-goal lead, especially if De Bruyne is back as well. <laughs> I don't. I, I think Burton would take that and throw it back in your face. And <laughs> yeah, they don't do need think? your patronising charity. <laughs> they don't need any extra goals. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what see. The, the gap is. You could put a few Man City players in sacks. Yes, yeah, see, that would... <laughs> yeah, put them in sacks or put them right. in Burton's team. Like, let them pick two. Have two free picks, any two players. That'd be fun. That would be really fun. Yeah, yeah. We'd have a twist, wouldn't it? Nice. Wednesday then, Eden Hazard saw Chelsea pass Bournemouth and at the Emirates there was the absolutely whopping Arsenal-Spurs clash. Jack, uh, did you enjoy this? Very much so, yeah. thought it was really good. Spurs really impressed me, obviously. They had something to prove after how the last game at the Emirates went and I thought, especially in the first 30, 40 minutes, they were, they were brilliant. 
Arsenal barely got a look at the ball. Harry Winks, I thought, controlled the midfield and then just the Harry Caneless front line, I thought, worked really well. Arsenal's defence, not great at the best of times, but they just didn't know who they were picking up. And then you had Deli Ali. I'm sure we'll talk about the goal in a minute, but just the pass for the first goal, I thought, was was lovely. And Kane's pass for his was pretty nice as well. Very special. And the finish was just off the cuff, no worries, brilliance. I thought it was thought it was excellent. Yeah, Ket and Chopra are saying now that Daniel Story isn't on the pod today, who would take responsibility to be lyrical about Deli Ali? But but you know, well well done picking up that mantle. It reminded me of the cricket player, you know, Joss Butler, very naturally talented cricket player, and had played at some points in his England career as though uh, you know the shackles were on. And until, you know, 12, 18 months ago when he started to really just let his natural ability flow and there was a picture, someone had spotted his bat, he put it down the floor during drinks and he'd just written a little motto for himself on it and it just said, on the neck of his bat, fuck it. And I thought this was a complete finish from Deli Alley. Like, oh, it's a big, big occasion. So much could go wrong. It's just pure playground levity. I thought Do you remember brilliant. like three weeks ago it was all doom and gloom yeah. for Spurs? And I was just about to say that Immediately when I saw that goal, I thought it summed up where Deli Ali is as a player right now because I think it's been coming for some weeks. But this shows just how comfortable he is. He's back in his stride. He's not overthinking. I think at times. Can you sum it up in two words? <laughs> brilliant. No, brilliantly brilliant. No, I can't do that. Okay, right. I can't do that. Brilliantly brilliant. There, but there's a lot of speculation about how this whole Manchester United situation could derail Spurs a bit. But I actually think it might do them a few favours because this is a side now. His team. They're probably looking at it two ways. One, maybe they want to make the most of the time they've got with Pochettino still at the helm. And they clearly really like him. They want mm. to play for him. And I think you could probably see that a bit with Spurs last night. They've There seems to be a little bit of extra freedom, maybe, just injected into the... You saw the confidence brimming from Ali. There's just something about the way they're playing, I think, which actually, it really might benefit Tottenham in the coming weeks. And... Daniel Levy, you might see him giving Poch a little bit of cash in January if there's anything that's going to make him stick around. Right. So Tottenham fans... What should they, what, what should they splash it on? I don't think, think it's all doom Poch. and gloom. He should splash it on Poch. Yeah. Oh, I see. <laughs> Throw right. the man a party. Yeah. Just give Poch yeah. money. Just give Poch money. Yeah. Nice yeah. well, to stay. A lot of Spurs fans <laughs> saying, you know, why is all the narrative about why he might go, why might he stay? I mean, you've seen a lot of managerial changes more than most Emma oh, at Watford. Why should he team. stay? If you're Pochettino, why would you stay at, at Spurs? Um, because... Apart from the fact that you're about 11 points higher or tw- 13, I think, higher than, yeah. than United in the table. Because, as you've mentioned there, the Watford model, the chopping and changing, Tottenham have such a class about them that they've they've managed to build up over the last few years. And with the stadium now finally edging towards completion, it just seems like things are finally coming together for Tottenham. And I think give it another year or so, you will see that trophy. He's been there a few years. Why not stick it out a bit longer and get what you've finally been waiting for? Man United as well. We've mentioned it with the board and everything. It is still a risk. It is a risk. I guess the, the thing might be that opportunities like Man United maybe don't come along that often but no. is it really the, the the dream job for him is is maybe real madrid or something like that the the bigger risk for mm. for uh, spurs but i i must admit i kind of buy that line that a lot of people trot out that he's waiting to play in that stadium having spent so long yeah. waiting to move in there's no way he's going to pass up the opportunity to actually you know take charge of a side in what's looking a pretty special uh bit of uh, stadiumry yeah <laughs> Blistering stuff on the break from Spurs. Uh, Arsenal, to be fair, had some great chances. Uh, Aaron Ramsey with that cracking shot. Gazaniga, what a great save on that. Don't get me started on Aaron Ramsey. Oh, really? I just don't understand. What happen if we start you on? I just don't understand why they wouldn't give him another contract. I think he's one of the best players this season for them. And the thing is, it's not like... Emery has decided to revolve things around another style, another way. He's still using Ramsey as quite a linchpin in the side. I, I don't get it. Where, where's it going to go next season now without him there? Yeah, it's almost like they took a decision and have now realised how vital uh, what they're about to give up is to their whole kind of existence and means of operating. It's a Are they bit heavy? like me with my gym membership, realising I'm going to give it up, but for the last month, even though I haven't gone for about four, I'm going to go every day right. and make the most of it whilst I've still got it. Do you think there's a chance they might change their mind? I don't know whether that will come because it was so public, wasn't it? It was yeah. such a public statement to say that he was going to go. And I, and I could actually see Ramsey at somewhere like Bayern Munich. 
I think he would be a good fit. And that seems to be the big rumour. But I, I just think he'll be a big loss and I think he'll be missed more than than Emery maybe thought. Arsenal now, after that 22-game run without a defeat, on a two-game losing streak. No bigger loser, though, than the idiot who threw a bottle at Deli Alley. Uh, to the applause of all the surrounding Arsenal fans, disappointingly, as far as I could tell from the, the, the various replays of that, um, I would imagine they'll be pretty quickly identified because you can see almost exactly where where it's coming from. But, uh, yeah, all really disappointing. Uh, so, as predicted by Craig Bellamy, Chelsea uh, will be taking on Spurs in the semi-final. Man City get Burton. And that's all coming up in early January because they don't hang about in the Carabao. Let's get back to the league then, where City are a whopping point behind Liverpool after this. Ah, Christmas. The time of generosity. Great food, terrible television, even worse jumpers and a packed Premier League fixture list. And nobody does generosity at Christmas like Paddy Power. We're giving money back as a free bet on at least one game in every round of fixtures. Nobody's going to be paying out as much this Christmas. Except maybe Man United. You'd be a turkey to bet anywhere else. Paddy Power. Enough of the nonsense. Applies to first bet on all losing. Goal scorer, correct score and what odds. Paddy bets on the match. Max refund £10. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. Is it tight at the top of the table in Scotland, Jack? Yes. Kind of, yeah. Seven teams and eight points. At least until they split everybody up for that kind of weird thing that they do. Midweek Celtic beat Motherwell 3-0. Hibs held Rangers to a 0-0 draw. Aberdeen did Dundee 5-1. Celtic have moved back above Rangers at the top of the table. Uh, Andrew Slaven and JJ Bull will be telling you all about it on the Totally Scottish Football Show. In the Premier League, it's very exciting too. Just a point, as I mentioned, between Liverpool and Man City, but with City hosting Palace and Liverpool facing a tough Friday night trip to Wolverhampton, will City be back on the top of the table Saturday night? Lindsay, how excited are you about this game? Wolves-Liverpool Friday night. I had an hour and 40-minute journey in here today. I'm wearing the gold of Wolverhampton Wanderers in my jumper, which you commented on early on, James. Mm. And I had so many smiley faces at me, and I don't think they were Wolves fans. I think that they were Manchester City fans. Really? Yep. Um, Lots of thank yous will be in order if we manage to take any points off Liverpool, I think. But I think having watched Wolverhampton Wanderers at Molyneux a lot this season... It is a very tough place for Liverpool to go and get all three points. Now, I'm not saying... City didn't, did they? No, and neither <laughs> did Everton. <laughs> well, just everyone can just beat that out, please, <laughs> of Emma talking about Watford. I mean, the, the the performances against Watford and Huddersfield were woeful, but Wolves are back in a confident frame of mind. Um, the, the result against Chelsea to come from behind, I think even if Liverpool go ahead, they shouldn't get ahead of themselves right, nice. in that match. I'm holding up a, a, a Mourinho-esque three fingers at you because it's three wins in a row now from Nuno Espirito Santo's side, leaving them just a point behind Man United. Uh, We're going to finish above Manchester United. You're calling that? I'm going to call that now. What's behind the return to form? Um, I mean, a lot of it is to do with the fact that the players are given that freedom. They're never told play in a different tactical way. You know, it's always about being attacking. And, And I like that and that he didn't suddenly start reshuffling the pack and thinking, you know, we've we've lost a few in a row, now we need to play differently. He didn't ever, um, Nuno that is, um, come down with that pressure and, and start to pl- like play tactically differently. I think the rise of people like Morgan Gibbs-White as a player has really lifted the entire team. I think the fact that Johnny Otto got injured was a blow, but the fact that we've managed to mask that and still be able to get these three wins on a spin um, has really given a confidence Bolly in defence, when he plays well, we play well. I think there's a lot that, that credit that goes to him with our good performances. Um, is Johnny scorers. Otto related to Tarka at all or not? I've got no idea. OK. Uh, but all in all, it's, it's full of positives. It is. I, you know, the fact that Diego Jota scored in a couple of games in a row, um, Ivan Cavallero managing to score again, because these are the players that I, I've been on before with you and said, you know, it's it's up front. It's January where we're looking to do business and try and get another striker because Jimenez has been great. But I, I was sort of saying that, you know, Cavallero, Jota... Uh, Costa probably aren't up to it in the Premier League. They have actually been playing. They've been proving me wrong. 
but right. I still think we need someone That's else. the issue, though, isn't it? Only 19 goals scored, I notice. And Liverpool have only conceded seven all season for a slightly more objective take on Wolves' chances. Emma? Uh, yes, little stat here. Almost a third of all goals that Wolves have conceded have been from a set-piece. Ah. Liverpool have nine set-piece goals this season already. It's only Tottenham that have scored more at ten. Saying that, I do fancy Wolves. They know how to turn up against the big boys. They beat Chelsea, didn't they? They yeah. drew with City, drew with Arsenal. Only just lost to Spurs. They give it to the big sides. Boom. And Klopp's acknowledged that. I think he was speaking this week. Like he he knows this is going to be a very high tempo, very attacking game. And if I was Jurgen Klopp, I would be quaking in my boots a little bit. The one goal that Liverpool get will be from a set piece. It's just the two that we get that. But that's the added advantage, though. Wolves can score exactly, exactly, Lindsay. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm with winding you. people up here. <laughs> well, just to drop a little bit of Liverpool into the mix, they are. I think they've done it on the quiet. Really, we've been talking about. Arsenal's unbeaten run this season, but Liverpool are now on their longest ever Premier League unbeaten run. How, how many games is it? 18. Wow. Obviously, that the fact that stretches to last season takes a little bit of the, uh, the still. air out of it, but it's still very impressive. Yep. I think this will be a tough game, as uh, Lindsay and MF said, but Liverpool have displayed a, a, a happy habit, I would say, of grinding out games when times are tough, and I, I think this could be another one where they'll need to dig deep. If I put my serious non-bias hat on, I have to say that there, it feels like the stars are aligning for Liverpool this season. You look at that goal, you see the Jordan Pickford moment and the Origi goal. And there's there's been more than that just occasion. There's been several occasions where I've thought, are they going to get something out of this match? And they have. And that makes me think... Lady Luck is on their side I'm not as sure. well. She's an awful flirt, Lindsay. She, she is a bit of a flirt. She'll show you a little bit of, you know, thigh. <laughs> and then, you know, next You've been to you too know, many Christmas parties. I have. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, well, there you go. That is a tremendously exciting game. And if Liverpool do drop points in it, then the door will be open. Lady Luck will be welcoming on, will be beckoning hither. Man City, who will be hosting... Palace. Uh, let's have a look. Uh, what's Palace's record against Man City? Last five meetings in League and Cup at the Etihad. Uh, City have scored 27. Palace have scored none. Palace's record against City is woeful. I mean, even if I'm Wolves... Sure if woeful covers that. 27 yeah. conceded, none scored. Wow. Yeah. Um, I really can't see Man City having any problems with this this weekend. They did finally win without Sahar last weekend, but only narrowly. Um, and I think Palace have only beaten Man City once since 2001. It goes back quite a way. Uh, City very, very convincing in their record against Crystal Palace. Yeah. So I do. Th- Man City are going to fancy themselves this weekend to take the top, top spot, I think. If there's a weekend, it will swing back the other way. It'll be this weekend. Right. Give De Bruyne back as well. I mean, I mentioned that goal, but it was a fantastic strike. Huh? Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously we all know how good De Bruyne is, but... He just offers that other dimension of of being able to ping those shots in. Fernandinho is capable of scoring from long range, done it a few times. But you look at uh, Bernardo Silva sometimes cutting in, but from central areas, having someone who can just take that snapshot with no backlift, that forces opposition defenders a metre or two back, create space for the little guys like, you know, Silva or, or Bernardo. That's a massive boon. And City have also really benefited from, I think, actually in a way, from Aguero's injury. I think Aguero was running out of steam just a little bit on his run of form. It's allowed Gabriel Jesus to have a little bit of game time, something he needs, as, as Natalie said on Monday's show. He's really built up a bit of confidence again, thought he was excellent against Everton, and actually had been pretty good in the last couple of games before that, even though he hadn't scored. I'm sure he'll lead the line here. I think he was rested in midweek. So yeah, they seem to suddenly have more options than even three or four weeks ago, which is great for them. Mm. Now, meanwhile, just behind those two, we talked about the fact there's this exciting tussle going on for the top four. Spurs two ahead, two points ahead of Chelsea, five clear of the Gunners. Spurs, though, with the toughest fixture, I'm going to say, this weekend, because they're at Everton. Is that right? I mean, the the Toffees have only had one win in five, but this should be a tough game, no? They're quite hard to pin down, Everton. I've been saying this for a while. I think the potential is clearly there. The... I think he's sorted the attack out quite nicely, Marco Silva. Richarlison, whether he's playing wide or centrally, looks a real threat. They've got, you know, Bernard has made a pretty solid start. Andre Silva contributes. But then at the back, 
there are, there are errors there always. Yeri Mina, I think, is a mixed bag. Of the defence isn't Mina with him in there. Correct. Thanks. Sorry, no, Jack. Um, <laughs> so this is Marco Silva's 20th game in charge at Goodison, which, Emma, you'll know, means that he's approaching is... his record. Yeah, it means any day now that head will be turned. It was just around this time last year. <sighs> Haven't forgotten that one. Clearly. So 22 games at Hull, 26 he managed, to be fair to him, at Watford. 26 in the end. Yeah, he did 26, according to this number that I've got written here. But, you know, what does that mean? Anyway, um, so it's going to be a tough game, certainly, for Everton, because Spurs, we mentioned before, buoyed by Wednesday's result. They had two fat wins against uh, Everton last season, 4-0 and 3-0. So are they actually going to go through that all right, do you think? After me saying that, that yeah, they are, apparently. Emma's nodding. I think what, so. what about Chelsea-Leicester then? Mm. I saw, um, had a quick flick through Twitter, and yes. someone mentioned who we think the next manager might be. Oh, to go? To get the sack. I right. think Mr Puel might be you, up there. Do you not think the, the... The fans are so annoyed about his team selection and what a missed opportunity that is now in the Cup. Um, I saw a headline, and it was something like, uh, they're resting Vardy because they're prioritising Premier League survival. 22 points. Is that really the case? It just seems like there's such a negative mindset now, very similar to what happened at Southampton, where the fans are just fed up. You look at their league position, they really shouldn't be. Watford are only two points above them, and I can tell you that it, things are totally different in the Watford camp. It really wouldn't surprise me if Puel's the next one to go. Who've they got coming up, Emma? Well, they're at home... Sorry, they're away at Chelsea before hosting Manchester City. Ah. So whilst they seem to be a bit of a cushion there at the moment, it might only take a few weeks. And the trouble is then you go into a game like Cardiff needing points. Right. They're 10 points clear of the drop. They are. But it just seems like a lot of fans aren't very content with what is going on there at the moment right. and it seems very very similar to what went on before with him he's still draining the life out of them and as you say keeping Vardy out of the side yeah. for a League Cup quarter final didn't go down well there are suggestions that the pair have fallen out yeah but he, he just claimed so much before how much that competition meant and when you look at the opportunity that they could have had now and even his post-match he said no regrets really really okay, only one win in five back-to-back defeats in the Premier League the thing that I find baffling about Puel is that when he doesn't play Vardy, he still plays the same st- type of football that needs a Vardy striker. It needs someone running off the, the last defender. Uh, it's like, why wouldn't you, I, I mean, maybe involve Madison slightly more? Um, but that was one of the things that I found frustrating to watch was that he was still playing that sort of football where you were like, well, if Vardy was there, then probably they would have a goal. All right. Chelsea, meanwhile, Lindsay, much improved since losing two Wolverhampton Wanderers. Winning in their League Cup quarterfinal, Eden Hazard's back in form, fit and back in form. Uh, talk of transfers as well. There's lots of talk that they. Well, apparently, Christian Pulisic is uh, Pulisic is, is maybe an option from Borussia Dortmund, and also there's now open open suggestions about Callum Wilson making the journey up from Bournemouth. Mm. I think that would be a pretty good signing for them. I think he's more confident than Alvaro Morata for sure. Younger than Olivier Giroud, probably wouldn't mind being on the bench every third week or so. Bit solid signing, I'd say. I was just going to say that Hazard, you know, everyone talks about Crystal Palace. We've already mentioned their fixture and how when Wilfred Zahar isn't in the team mm. that, you know, they had that first win since September 2016. Uh, interesting. I would love to know the stats of when Hazard's not performing and when Chelsea still win. Um, I think he's that integral. And I think a lot of the January business at Chelsea is going to be to appease him. You know, he's still saying that his future is up in the air. He doesn't know whether if Real Madrid come calling, whether he wants to go or not. And I really think a lot of what happened happens over the, the next five months is going to dictate whether Hazard A is in form and B stays put. Interesting. All right. Uh, Arsenal, meantime, soothing bomb alert. It's Arse Burn Saturday lunchtime. Clara's having a sore time at the bottom as it is. Uh, they're down in 18th place. Although, even though they've had four defeats in five... Two things are going to say, Jack. One, um, they kind of look like they're back to being Burnley-ish. They beat Brighton. They gave Spurs a hard time. And also, Saints were similarly troubled just last weekend, right up to the when they took the field against the Gunners and beat them. Yeah, I think that's right. They Sean Dyche rolled out a back five against Spurs, and it seemed to pay off. You know, they were only a few minutes away from getting a result there. They will take heart from that, for sure. They seem to have got a little bit of the 
consistency of selection back, which I think helps them. And it'll be interesting to see how Emery deals with this because he himself has chopped and changed systems quite a lot. And I think it's telling that he always seems to be making half-time changes, which I think is quite interesting. He's made 12 so far this season, which across all competitions that is. So, you know, in over a third of games, basically, he's brought someone at half-time, which, you know, Arsenal have been very good in the second half. They've won a lot of games, scored a lot of goals. People have talked about their superior fitness, I think rightly so. But you've got to wonder whether... Uh, you know, 12 half-time substitutions suggest that he's sometimes getting it wrong from the start. As does the fact that they, they've yet to be in the lead at, at half-time this season, which is kind of remarkable. Um, as is the news about former Arsenal player Andreas Shavin, who, what is this he got into? Did he steal a horse after leaving a strip club? I didn't read past the headline because I knew it couldn't get any better. All right. uh, yeah, I mean, that's, We'll leave it at that yeah. then. There is a picture of him on the horse, actually. I'm not sure... Of, if it's the same one, it might just be a you know stock picture of Arshavin on a horse. Did he do a hair flick? I'm not sure. It's a photo, so it's hard to detect what's going on, really. But, uh, yeah, anyway. All right, so that's Arsenal-Burnley. What Burnley's chances of throwing a spanner in the Arsenal works? Well, Arsenal Emma? can't really defend either. So mm. there's a chance. If Burnley can manage... That's the other problem with Burnley. They can't really score much, as, as well as their inability to defend at times. But if they come up with the goods, Arsenal are there for the taking. I was just looking at the league table in front of us. Arsenal have conceded 23. Newcastle down in 14th have conceded less. Really? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we all know about Arsenal's back line, the way it can be exploited. So if Burnley can do that, then there, there could be a point or, t- or three yeah. on offer. Or not. I think draw. I think that's probably really? going to be a draw. Boy, yeah. you with your bold predictions, didn't you? So we've got Wolves finishing above... Uh, so am I, <laughs> as I think most listeners are probably thinking to themselves right now. Uh, so, yeah, Wolves to finish above Man United and Burnley to snatch a point at the Emirates. Crazy talk. Uh, let's just quickly check in on the Club World Cup. Who's been following this exciting pan-continental competition? Jack, you have. A little, yeah. All right, then. What have you got Over for to us? Thank you, Jack. <laughs> uh, well... For the fourth time in nine years, yes. the champions of South America failed to reach the this final. This is extraordinary news, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of of a piece with how the Libertadores final went. You know, it was a complete mess. And mm. then River Plate having the chance to, you know, South Americans take this tournament fairly seriously, but yeah. it's their chance to, you know, mix it with the European show that South America still has that quality. And they lost in their semi final to El Ain of the UAE. Which is extraordinary. Luckily, you know, their fans are a pretty measured bunch. They're unlikely to get upset by this on River Plate's return. Yeah, no comment on that one. Uh, Drew 2-2. I liked Alain's nickname. Oh, yeah? Obviously didn't know this before, but I just Googled it. And their nickname is The Boss. Alain The Boss? just The Boss. Right, that was great. Uh, And in the other semi-final, Real Madrid breezed past Kashima Antlers. And it's Gareth Bale's scored a hat-trick, but worth checking out the assist from Marcelo for the first. Yeah. Kind of no-look. Cashman gave them a bit volley. of a game based on the extraordinarily... Uh, the, whoever edited these, these highlights was clearly on some kind of substance. But it looked like there were a whole bunch of chances that Cashman Antlers had, you know, in the, in the first half or so, uh, before the score got away from them. 3-1 was the final score there. So, Jack, that's exciting. So it is Alain looking to pull off an even bigger upset when they take on Real Madrid. Will the stars align? Oh, that's good. (laughs) You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsors of Melchester Rovers. Find out more at RoyTheRoversOfficial.com Hello, Rafa Alenda. Thanks for writing in to say, if you cover the UEFA Cup draw, it's called the Europa League, by the way, but I appreciate your respect for tradition, your adherence to, you know... Uh, sorry, the UEFA Cup draw on the pod next week and you don't use Malmo's player Innocent Bonky in your pun-filled introduction, it'll be criminal. I wasn't aware of Innocent Bonk's uh, Bonky. Is it Bonky? You can't just abbreviate to Bonks. Well, no. I don't know. I reckon if he's a Malmo player, I'm not sure in Sweden if you pronounce the, the E at the end. Uh, Swedish listeners, do let us know. Uh, Ed Quoth Raven says, What's the best thing about football over the festive period? Be as clichéd as you like. Really should have warned you about this question. I responded to this on Twitter. Oh, did you? What did you respond with? I said the family-friendly atmosphere, that people are never as jolly at football as they are over Christmas, whether you're watching the winning team, the losing team, or a stalemate. Is that right? Yeah. Emma? 
justifying Elton John in the Watford playlist. I mean, we always shove him in a bit here and there, but right. step, step into Christmas, what a banger you, that um, song is. There must be more than the... ever with the John Lewis stuff as well, surely. Yeah. Really? We'll see. I'm sure we'll see that shoe horn on the big screen um, at some point. Do you have a hand in the playlist at Vicarage Road? Possibly. And no what comment. is your go-to? Elton Do I take John? requests? Is the next is the next question? Yeah, no, I'm just curious because if, <laughs> if I was compiling a a, a, a playlist, no, we do. Which, we, which Elton um, John track do you go for? Well, your song is, really? is an obvious choice. It's going to be a bit of a buzzkill. It's all it? across. It's all across the back. The lyrics are across the back of the Elton John stand in. Yeah, in the ground. So not, for branding reasons, we have to play it, like, and also uh, bordering on karaoke. Really, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would have thought you were saying that would give the crowd a bit more of a lift, like yeah, B- Benny and the Jets. What Late are you kick say? off Saturday nights are right for you. Saturday. Oh yeah, we night. have. Yeah, we've had that as well. And of course, uh, <laughs> so that's many. what friends are for. Yeah, I don't know. It's a great place to don't be, Ridge Road on a match day. Brilliant. So, uh, Jack, what's the what's your favourite thing about football I, uh, at Christmas? I like slightly zoning out from the fixtures and then being surprised that there are games the day after right. the previous round is finished. Or even just missing the round and you know, kind of taking taking your eye off the league for a second or two and look, looking back and there's been about three rounds played and everything's been turned on its head. Are you questioning my professionalism? No, games? I'm not talking about you. I'm just saying that's one of the pleasures. I do do that as yeah. well. And I, I also like New Year's Day fixtures because you always get crazy bonkers stuff happening. Uh, Innocent bonkers. Some <laughs> bonkers. What are you eating there, Jack? It's tangerine. Right. Okay. Uh, well, you you chew on that while we ask Emma about Watford's trip to West Ham mm. Saturday afternoon. The Domingos Kina derby. Yes, indeed. Yes. Domingos Kina, who you signed from West Ham for a million in the summer. We did. Portugal what a under steal! Tw- yeah. What a steal that was. And. Uh, so he's a bit of a wonder kid, no? He's very, very good indeed. Uh, unbelievably 19 years old and slotted into the game against Manchester City as if he'd been playing for years and years. Um, I'll just quickly mention how we even got hold of him as a player. It was quite literally mm. 10 to 5 on transfer deadline day. And his agent pulls up in the car park and says... Look, we've got this kitty in the back of the car. He's pretty good. And they had 10 minutes to decide? They had 10 minutes. Are you suggesting that Watford had had no kind of... that They hadn't been no. looking at him? Or? Uh, no, no, no. Quite the reverse. We'd been looking at him oh. and uh, he'd, been linked with, he'd been linked with the likes of Barcelona, some top, top clubs. So when this happened, we absolutely took young Kina oh, see, right. off West Ham's hands. How rare is it for a player to just literally turn up at the car park? Because Odin Wingy, of course, caught a lot of flack for the fact that he, he was parked for some days outside QPR. Yeah, I, I think 10 to 5 was probably a bit of a record, to be honest. OK. Um, but the necessary paperwork was done. And what a talent we have on our hands. He's Kina's very, mustard. very good indeed. I mean, it wasn't like Watford were that short on central midfielders anyway. It's an area of the pitch where... They've got a lot, a lot of good players, but the one thing about Javi Gracia, which the players and the fans do like, is that he does reward performances. So if somebody does get an into the team, if someone's injured, if they play well, mm. they will keep their place in the side. So it'd be interesting to see if he does keep his place because Capu's fit again now. He's still got oh, yeah. Decore, Chalaba, Tom Cleverley's now returning too. So he's got five, five players there to pick from. You say the one thing about Javi Garcia that the fans do like is that... What, <laughs> you know, one of many is what I should have <laughs> said. Right. She hastily said, all um, right. This is, is this a London derby, in Watford's opinion? Is it a London derby? I mean... Only because I can't tell you when we'll next play against Luton or when we last played against Luton. Yeah. Is it a derby? No. The fans won't care that much. But it's a, it's a decent game to have um, mm-hmm. just before Christmas. And it usually it throws up pretty entertaining affair. Like, I think, was it last time we were there? Was that 4-2? Oh, no, it must be the year before because Igalo is still playing. Yeah. yeah, visits to the London Stadium are usually pretty entertaining for Watford. And I do think Keener will feature. I'll be surprised if he doesn't. Um, so there's bound to be a story there, isn't there? Excellent. Well, yeah, West Ham seem to be doing quite well without him yeah. at the moment anyway. Uh, Mike Wallace asks, if you enjoyed the half-time kids' penalty shootout at the Watford-Liverpool match, I thought oh, it was never going to end, said Mike Wallace. <laughs> what happened? Um, if the goal was about a foot higher, it would have been over much more quickly than it was. OK. But everyone but they, it just kept going over the bar over and over and over kids, again. Though? Yeah, these kiddies, bless them. Uh, it was very entertaining, but it did get to the point where the players were starting to assemble in the tunnel. Right. And then fortunately, well, unfortunately for this um, poor young girl, she did miss. But it meant that it came to a close. It was very dramatic. Ben's furiously nodding in the background because he was there as well. Right. Um, 
But yeah, I think it would still be going on now otherwise. Crikey. Crikey. Yeah, that's definitely scarred me a little bit. All right. Also in action this weekend, Bournemouth taking on Brighton in a sizzling South Coast derby. Bournemouth knocked out the cup midweek. Five defeats in six. Brighton just two wins in 22 matches away from the Amex. The rest of the Premier League action this weekend is, is all kind of drama at the bottom. Newcastle in 14th, four points clear of the bottom three, are hosting the bottom side, Fulham, who are three points from safety in the Alexander Mitrovic, Kevin Keegan derby. Call it what you wanna. Newcastle taking this game very seriously, cancelling their Christmas party. As well they should, because last time they faced each other was in the Championship. And Fulham won 3-1. And Newcastle's team still pretty much the same as back then. I think it's a bit harsh to cancel the Christmas party. I mean, you know, Newcastle with their squad, 14th, four points clear of danger. Um, what is there not to celebrate at the moment? Yeah. Still, it's a, it's a delicate time of the year in the football business. But you, they could have missed out on a bit of team bonding. That's true. Or, I know that what happened with the karaoke with, with your Christmas night out. So team bonding is is high on the agenda yeah, this absolutely. time of year. As for Fulham, Will Ranieri's plans have taken effect by now. I saw uh, an interview with Alfie Mawson that I think the club released yesterday or sometime this morning. <laughs> Quote, we might have to win ugly, win dirty, do horrible things. All the Fulham things, basically. Goodness gracious me, yeah. Really? I'm not sure what Claudio's been saying to um, to his 11, but apparently well, they, this they is did, what they've to resorted be fair, to. That's what Leicester were built on, Huth and, uh, yeah. and Morgan at the back, really getting stuck into people and, and kind of getting away with it. I don't think anyone should worry because, of course, the owners summed it up when they said that Ranieri carried no risk. No risk, Ranieri. Okay. So, what, in what way that he doesn't have to do anything? I think you should speak to them. Okay. Uh, or he that carries no got risk. Him in, yeah. It was job done. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's a big game, obviously. As is the one at the John Smith Stadium, where Huddersfield take on Southampton. Mini Klopp meeting Alpine Klopp. <laughs> Terry is only one place above Fulham. They could, with a victory here, bring Saints back into the bottom three. Is this wrong that Hasenhutl, even though I've only seen him for one match, that I already think, great signing, yeah. he's brilliant. Great energy about great him. Great energy about him. There's something about Hasenhutl that makes me think he's here to stay. It's a, ne- it's a nice name to say. Mm. Yes. It just makes you smart, doesn't it, Hasenhutl? Yeah. Jack, are you, are you a long-time fan of uh, Ralph Hasenhutl? I've been... Hasen, Hasen. You have to do it like that because otherwise it doesn't mean rabbit hutch, which is what his name means. Yeah. So it's not Hasen. It translates Hasen. something quite... Savage, doesn't it? If you say it incorrectly, is I that need right? To get, I need yeah, to something okay. hater. Well, it is something Jack. hater or hate. Jack. Yeah, I've been quite impressed with him in Germany. I think he's made a good start. It was quite revealing, I think, that uh, Ryan Bertrand, who missed the game against Arsenal through injury, took to social media afterwards and you know, not very veiled attack on uh, Hasenhüttl's predecessor, said, "Oh, finally, uh, an organised team with clear instructions." look what difference that makes and I think that was to some extent clear against Arsenal you know Arsenal defended terribly so we can perhaps not read too much into Southampton's attacking play what's interesting is that he's brought back the defenders who weren't playing under Hughes so uh, Yannick Vestergaard who well to be honest he's been fairly clumsy in the two games so far but obviously I guess Hasenhüttl knew him from their time in Germany Uh, and Jan Bednarek the young Polish guy who also is prone to the old Rick, but perhaps you know a new manager needs to put his stamp on a side. And even though Southampton have had issues all over the pitch, he's obviously looked at the defence and thought, I need my guys in here. And it'll be interesting to see if he can sort out that end, because at the other end of the pitch, there are goals there, as Danny Ings showed. Yeah. Um, Huddersfield, meanwhile, four defeats in a row, just 10 goals all season. They failed to score, indeed, in 29 of their 55 games since getting promoted, which is not great. Emma, what have you got on Hasenhutl? Jackie Oatley tweeted uh, a couple of days ago, friendly reminder, it's pronounced Hasenhutl rather than Hasenhutl, as the latter translates to Austrian people as little hut of hate rather than little hut for hares. Right. So, little hut of hate. 
little hut of hate. <laughs> David Cameron <laughs> making an appearance here. Oh, nice. <sighs> nice. Um, oh. Aaron Moy, have to yes. say about Huddersfield. Yes. Aaron Moy being injured, what a loss. Um, saw that firsthand when Huddersfield played Wolves. They were like world beaters that day. Right. Do you know, we've run out of Premier League games. We'll have to talk about foreign stuff after this. Super. Christmas time, Christmas chocolates. Uh, I'm mentioning this, listener, because we were discussing chocolates uh, while munching on mini Smarties, actually, mm. before we got underway. And uh, somehow the conversation led to Fredo's, which are a big thing, as you know, and the price thereof in particular. Emma, you've got some extraordinary news for us, I think. First of all, Jack, how much do you think a Fredo costs? I'm just going to play along here and say 10p. James. Which, you know, traditionally, that's yeah. that was almost their USP, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, right, Emma? Sorry, I've taken... I, I've had a smarty. yeah, I've had a smarty oh, as well. Right. But I think inflation means that it was at least 20 pence now. Right, Emma, are you ready? Well, what do you think, Jimbo, before we... I've no idea. I've never, I'm only dimly aware of the existence of Fredo's. Right. They're not my chocolate. Really? Yeah, yeah. Have you, have you ever tried? No, I don't think I've ever tried a Fredo. I mean, it's just like a lump of dairy milk in a frog shape, Have you tried it? the yeah. caramel one? Again, oh, I've never tried missing a Fredo. Missing out, missing out. Right, I can tell you, yeah. uh, the reliable source of Wikipedia does tell me the price of a Freddo remained at 10p. You're kidding. So it is actually 10p. Wait oh. until 2005. Yes. When the price of a Freddo bar has roughly increased in price by 2p a year. Right. So 20% a year. The first With year anyway. the 2016 selling price being 25p. You're kidding. In 2017, oh, the price of Freddo's increased to 30p. <gasps> Double the price adjusted for inflation. Do you 30 think... pence. So it's now 30p. Yes. So it's gone up three times in the last 13 years. Yes, but monumentally in the last two years... Wow. It's jumped. It's I, like think a... that, I think that could sum up the crisis of the country... The journey of the Freddo chocolate. I think it's the other way around. Sums up the, everything the that's gone wrong with the, the country. world. It sums up the. the <laughs> this is the bigger yeah. thing. It's a Freddo bubble. <laughs> so, uh, all right. The, thanks for that Freddo news. More when we know more. In France, will they play football this weekend? I don't know. I hope so. All but one of the matches in the final round before Christmas is scheduled for Saturday night. And if you're in the Principality at a loose end Saturday, why not drop by the Stade Louis Dirk? Because there's an absolute humdinger going on there. As uh, Thierry Henry's Monaco take on the only team worse than them in the league, Gangon, the bottom two. Gangon. Going yeah. at it. That'd be nice. Germany, they had a midweek round, and guess what? Dortmund lost. And the two teams below them both won. Munchen Gladbach, despite Torgen Hazard missing his Penen- Penenka attempt, uh, they beat uh, Nuremberg 2 0. So they're now six points behind, as are Bayern Munich, who beat RB Leipzig. And guess what happens next round? Dortmund play Mönchengladbach. That's huge. Friday night fixture. Was that on Friday? Yeah. Right. Did you see Frank Ribery's goal, the winner for Bayern? I didn't see it. Basically took two took two Leipzig defenders ice skating with a, just a jag inside. They both went sliding across the floor and he Brilliant. put it in. Great. Magnificent. All right. Uh, so that's Friday night. Saturday night, why not find a laptop and tune in to Juventus-Roma, which should be uh, very entertaining. Only the 22 points between these two teams. Roma manager Eusebio Di Francesco living on borrowed time at the moment. They scraped a win last weekend against Genoa. That was their first victory in six. The city was covered in banners uh, telling the American owners to do one. Uh, so it's fair to say there's a certain amount of tension in the capital. This game will be played at the Allianz Stadium in Turin. Uh, Juve, of course, are absolutely flying. They've won, I think, seven in a row in the league and all that kind of thing. Uh, There's also a great game uh, earlier on Saturday when uh, AC Milan take on Fiorentina. Milan haven't won any of their last three games in all competitions, getting knocked out of Europe by loud noises in Athens. Uh, They went to Olympiacos in the Europa League. They could have won, obviously. They could have drawn. They could even have lost 1-0. What they couldn't have done was lose 3-1, which they did. And afterwards, Leonardo came out and explained that it was because every time they went on the attack, there was a loud klaxon noise and it seemed to disrupt the team. They all, I don't know, clutched their heads. It's a, I, in my mind, it's a bit like Jericho, you know, the the, the, tr- the blare of the trumpet. But there was a, this kind of sustained klaxon noise and the team were like, oh. Oh, well, that's the key bit, see. So I, yeah. I think with loud noises, yeah. if it's sustained, it's OK. But if it's just occasional, Depends that's when it's alarming. Is. 
Right. Okay, I'll bear that in mind, uh, Lindsay. But we'll, we'll talk more about this and lots of other things in our Italian football podcast, Golazzo, which is out even as I speak. It's a Christmas edition dedicated to Antonio Di Natale, but also touches on all sorts of other things like the biggest tiramisu in the world and what kind of pizza Gabriele Marcotti thinks is acceptable to call pizza and people kicking managers up the bum and all sorts of really seasonal festive fun. Uh, that's nice. Now... Listener, you made it this far. Why not enjoy producer Ben getting some odds on some of the weekend's games in conversation with Paddy Power? Thank you, Jimbo. Hello, listeners. And hello, as always, to Lee Price from Paddy Power. Lee, there's only one place to start as we talk odds today. That's the next Man United manager. Go on, shock us. Well, I hope you're sitting down, Ben. This answer could shock you. The favourite who may like manager on the first day of next season is Maurizio Pochettino, of course. It's 6-4. to four, He gets the job. But Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been backed in massively. He's second favourite now at 5-2, to two, ahead of Max Allegri at 6-1, to one, and Zinedine Zidane, who is sliding down the market at 7-1. to one. Speaking of sliding down, United to finish outside the top six is 13-5. We think they'll get there, though. It's 2-7, to seven, heavily odds on that they do finish in the top six. Just. Lindsay Hooper, big Wolves fan, is in the studio today. Give us the odds, please, on her team beating Liverpool this weekend. Well, Liverpool, I have to tell you, are the best back team most weekends now. The bandwagon for them has well and truly started to roll, and that will be reflecting the lengthy prices of opposition. So a home win for Wolves this weekend is 11-2, whereas Liverpool are 1-2 to take all three points. If you do want to play it a little bit safer, you can bet Liverpool simply not to win. The double chance of Wolves getting the win or a draw is 6-4. As we've been discussing, City have an absolutely ridiculous record against Palace. Um, What odds, please, on City, as I always ask you, scoring at least four against Palace this weekend? I said Liverpool were popular, but there are a few safer bets than Man City this weekend, surely. They're one to nine to win. And get this, just eight to five to score four more goals. Palace, by comparison, are lengthy five to one to score more than one goal. Sorry, Eagles fans. And finally, it's the big sort of London derby. What are the odds, please, for West Ham versus Emma Saunders' favourite Watford? This one's fairly tight, as you might expect. Two teams in good nick after all. West Ham, the home side, are 13-10 favourites. But Watford aren't far off at 2-1. And the draw's a similar price at 23-10. Personally, I like the look of both teams to score and the draw, which is quite a generous 3-1. You can find out these odds and more where at paddypower.com. All prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. We're not doing a pod on Monday, Emma. Don't look for it. It won't be there. There'll be something special, it says here, all the same. I'm not sure how... There'll be something. Might be special. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, It'll be a surprise, like, you know, Christmas. Christmas full of surprises. Uh, We're back on next Friday. Oh, brilliant. We've got the week off. Friday the 28th of December and then again on New Year's Eve. What are you going to do for Christmas, Emma? Eat. Okay. And drink and then go to football. All right. That's pretty much covered all the bases. There you go. <laughs> it's a first for me. So I'm up in Preston for How this Christmas. It's a, first for it's a first with the other half's family. Oh, okay, cool. And they have a tradition. You know, everyone does Christmas differently and they do a big meal on Christmas Eve night. Yes, yes. Are they from a Latin country? No, I don't oh. think so. I think they just like eating. So then we have food again on Christmas Day. And I'm not a big eater, so I'm a little concerned that I might just be a bit sleepy for Christmas. So we'll be rolling you into your match on Boxing Day. Yeah, and the the, the oven working? will be in overdrive. Are you doing a Boxing Day game? I am. I'm doing Burnley against Everton for oh, okay. BBC Final School. Right, nice one. Nice one. Jack, you'll know all about the uh, the, the Vespera, the, the Christmas Eve uh, uh, meal. No, uh, married as you are to a Brazilian. Correct. Got the in-laws over this year as well. What will you do for them? Yeah, What what's the tradition? <laughs> Excess, excess, excess. But it's a fair point because you know it's, it's boiling hot there, so turkey's not such a kind of. Yeah, they stay they stay up late on the twenty fourth, often eating at eleven or midnight, and then basically spend Christmas Day sleeping it off. Nice. Oh. So that's an option. Uh, good. All right, listener. I hope you have a happy Christmas. Uh, we will be returning uh, later on in that week, as I say, and there's loads of other good things to enjoy, the Totally Football League show, Totally Scottish Football show, and, of course, Golato. In the meantime, as well as lots of actual people playing football. So have yourselves a, a very Merry Christmas. Uh, we'll catch up with you next week. And for now, from all of us here, it's goodbye. 
You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and don't forget to check out our other football podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life, really. And here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK. So that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day. And part of the problem is that many of us still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it the most. So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.